0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: On today's Fantasy Baseball in 15, we'll look at the headline-stealing Padres through a fantasy lens. Like, death and taxes. Dodger's been a Dodger.
2: I have not had uh, three uh, yet. It
1: works great,
3: great in a fantasy I'm just
2: glad I am not at the dentist.
3: Fantasy Baseball in 15, on The Athletic.
1: Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Tuesday, March 9th. I'm Al Melchior, and with me for this episode is Michael Beller and... Another one where we could definitely go along if we wanted to, but of course we won't. But we're going to talk the Padres here. Uh, who's uh, who's the most intriguing player to you from a, a fancy perspective? That's not you know Machado <laughs> or Tatis because those are the obvious
3: uh, Tatis especially, but. It's just, it's up and down this roster, Al. I mean, it's just so much fun. And, you know, I I built the schedule, our team preview schedule here. And I'm not going to say I purposely steered the most interesting teams towards my days and let DVR have, like, the Pirates (laughs) and the Orioles of the world. But I'm happy that it worked out in a way where I get to talk Padres.
1: Hmm, very coincidental. Interesting. <laughs> All right. Well, to help us uh, sort out this loaded Padres roster is Dennis Lynn, who writes about the Padres, covers them for The Athletic. Uh, so Dennis, thank you so much for coming on. A lot of fun stuff to talk about here.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, of course, a busy offseason uh, for the Padres. And one of the moves that now has sort of uh, been pushed to the background is the signing of uh, Hassan Kim, and that creates a bit of a logjam there. I think people were pretty excited about Jake Cronenworth after 2020. So, how do Kim and Cronenworth wind up in the uh, the lineup together, or is somebody really going to lose some playing time?
2: I think at the time uh, the Padres agreed to a four year deal with Hassan Kim, um, and this wasn't the only reason, but this was part of their thinking. They kind of assumed there was going to be a DH in the National League. Uh, as of right now, this recording uh, that looks unlikely. Uh, maybe barring a last-second deal, but they uh, they liked his versatility. Whether there's going to be a DH or not, so I mean, this guy's a former shortstop in the uh, KBO. Very athletic, uh, good fielder so far. By all accounts, he's uh, really impressed at second base in spring training. Uh, but they, they, they like just the overall skill set. Um, the big question with Kim is whether the, uh, the hitting is going to translate to the U.S. As you guys probably have noticed, there haven't been too many Korean born players that have come over to the U.S. and succeeded. And Kim's actually talked openly about wanting kind of to kind of be the, the first to kind of establish himself and, uh, pave the way for other guys to come over. Uh, but the, uh, the velocity is going to be totally different in the U.S. He's already seeing that in the Cactus League. Uh, from the KBL so uh, that's going to be a major adjustment so it's a big question mark with him whether he's going to be able to uh, transition smoothly and quickly to the U.S. and also a quick note with his contract is that he can be sent down to the minors the first couple years of his contract uh, without his consent so that's an option for the Padres and possibly something that has become maybe a little more likely uh, now that it looks like there's not going to be a DH but um, again he can play second base shortstop third base. I uh, seen some time there as well in the spring and they're expecting, they're going to need a lot of at-bats to go around and guys to, uh, you know, play this season uh, going from 60 to 162 on the schedules. So I'm sure there's going to be opportunities for him and they're, uh, they're pretty confident or else they wouldn't have given him a four-year deal worth uh, 28 million.
1: Would those opportunities come at the expense of Cronenworth though?
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's possible uh, based on who's playing well and hitting well, uh, they're going to, um, A lot playing time that way so it hasn't really been sorted out yet this early in spring but uh just depending on who's you know swinging a hot bat at the time I think that's that's definitely possible but they're still of the mind that these guys are both versatile and they'll both find you know playing time for them especially Cronenworth because he's kind of already proved himself a little more in the majors and he can even you know Bounce out to the outfield if they really need it. So that's uh, that's an option for Cronenworth. But I don't see uh, Cronenworth being unseated as the primary second baseman anytime soon. Kim will have to prove himself. And even if he does, they'll find ways to get Cronenworth's bat in there, you know, especially as a left handed hitter.
1: All right. Well, that's encouraging then in terms of both of these hitters. And, you know, you talked about Cronenworth maybe picking up some time in the outfield. And, of course, uh, one of the occupants there is Tommy Pham. And he's had no shortage of, of health issues over the past year or so. Um, how is he looking so far this spring in terms of his health?
2: He said early in camp he was maybe about 80% physically, which uh, might sound alarming. Um, but Tommy Pham's a very honest, candid person. So I think it was just a frank assessment of where he's at. Um, I mean, he was stabbed in the lower back, an uh, off-field incident in the off-season. Um, said he still can't really squat or deadlift heavy weights, but you don't really need to do that to uh, swing a baseball. Uh, but he has had some pretty legitimate, <laughs> pretty uh, serious, significant ail- ailments over the last couple of years that you know he's still coming back from, including um, you know kind of a elbow that still gives him some trouble from time to time. Um, so he's. Uh, He's had a rough start to spring training, especially at the plate, but he's also dealing with, um, a, a new contact lens, uh, situation. Uh, he has he's an eye condition that he's played with forever and that, you know, acquire some extra maintenance there, but he's pretty confident that by the, by, by the time opening day rolls around, he'll be uh, closer to 100% and uh, ready to contribute. Even though, you know, with him, he's another guy who could have benefited from the DH, but he's, uh, He's a guy who's historically, when he's been on the field, always gone out on base. So I would expect if he's if he's healthy enough opening day, he'll definitely be in there.
3: Dennis, at the start of the show, Al asked me who I'm most excited about, who's not in the Tatis Machado division of this Padres team, and I didn't want to give my answer away because I knew I was going to ask about him once I got the mic in my hands. It's Blake Snell. I am so excited to see what the Padres are going to do with him, specifically with respect to to his innings, and not just his season-long innings, but how willing they are uh, to let him go deep into games. That was something that, for whatever reason, Kevin Cash and the Rays just weren't super comfortable letting him do start in and start out. As we are a little bit less than one month away from opening day, do we have a feeling for how Jace Tingler and the Padres are going to treat Blake Snell and how deep they're going to let him go into games? He's talked a lot about looking forward to having more freedom and uh,
2: proving that he deserves that freedom or that extra freedom that he didn't quite have in Tampa Bay but I think this is going to be a gradual thing not a you know sudden drastic difference between what he was doing with the Rays and what he's going to do with the Potters just because uh again this is uh this is a, going to be a steep ramp up for every pitcher so they're not going to turn him loose right away uh, he's not going to be pitching seven eight innings at the start of the season. And he's also ha- he hasn't pitched that many headaches, you know, for the reasons that you just mentioned. Um, so they're going to gradually ramp him up. Um, I think a big problem for him in Tampa Bay was a high pitch count early in his starts, especially in the first inning. So that's something the Padres needed to address uh, before he can think about going really deep into games. But yeah, I think just looking at it objectively, you would think the Padres will let him go. Slightly more than the Rays did, but it's just not something I think you should bet, bet on You know, right off the bat. It's going to be more of a gradual thing, but eventually I think uh, that's going to be the
3: goal. Yeah, this is one of those teams, as Al referenced right off the top, that we could do easily 30 or 45 minutes on, I and mean, we could do 15 minutes on this rotation alone with the additions of Snell, Darvish, and Musgrove added to Denelson Lamette and Chris Paddock. But for the time being, I want to move into the rotation, or excuse me, into the bullpen, a very strong Back half of the bullpen here with Drew Pomeranz, Emilio Pagan, Mark Melanson, Keone Keela. All of those guys have pitched in high leverage situations for multiple seasons. Any of those guys is capable of closing. Do we think that one of those guys is going to become the dedicated closer for the Padres, or is this going to be something where they mix it up, base it on matchups, let a guy get a run as the closer before bringing him back? I mean, how are they going to attack the ninth inning here? It sounds like the latter, the kind of closer by committee approach or whoever's pitching well at the time,
2: uh, approach is, is quite possible just because they don't have that one single guy who's really, really established himself as a closer or who's in their prime. I mean, Mark Belanson's obviously done it quite a bit, but he's, uh, he's 35. So, uh, you don't know exactly what you're going to get there, although he has been very effective of late, uh, even, you know, late, late, late in his career, but, if I had to choose one guy out of the group and they've also got Kelly in camp, uh, who's looked really good so far, I would choose Emilio Pagan, uh, based on just how the fastball is coming out of his hand much better than it was for most of last season when he was dealing with, uh, somewhat of a bicep issue that really hampered him that he tried to pitch through, um, and obviously affected him first half of last season. But he, uh, he took a short stint on the IL and when he came back, he looked, Far like the guy that the uh, the Rays had, a guy who saved about twenty games, I believe, the other year. So, if I had to you know choose one guy, I think Emilio Pagan would probably be the the head or the favorite for uh, for save opportunities.
1: Well, as uh, Michael alluded to, the, the rotation is just loaded. Uh, the bullpen, the front and the back halves really are very deep and and loaded. So, um, you know, it just seems hard to believe that with all the additions that the Padres have made, as much talent as they have, they still have good prospects in the pipeline. And uh, we're eagerly awaiting Mackenzie Gore to make his debut. But is there room for him this year? And if so, how soon do you imagine we will see him in the rotation?
2: I think there's definitely room for him. The question is when exactly. Um, and there's room because every team's going to need a lot of starters to get through this season, as everyone knows. Uh, Denelson Lamet, they're all, or the guy who uh, you know, could be contending for opening day starter if he hadn't had this uh, elbow injury last year. He's still going to be eased into the season, most likely. Uh, it's possible even that he doesn't open the season on the roster because they're just thinking about his innings count and trying to uh, look at the overall picture of the season. Not that he's hurting right now; it's just that they want to build him up a little more gradually, uh, based on the caution that they're you know trying to exercise with his injury from last fall. Uh, but Mackenzie Gore, um, they're not going to look at him as a reliever. You know, barring an emergency, they're going to look at him as a starter. And I think if he has a really strong finish to camp, he does have a chance to be in there, especially if they go with the six-man rotation on opening day, and especially if Denelson-Lamette you know, isn't fully ready to go where they deem that he's not fully ready to go. So I think uh, if they need to call a guy, um, he might be the first call. But uh, it still remains to be seen if he can uh, get his control, um, command, in order. His first Cactus League start was a little bit wild. But he's a guy who really thrives in game game competition. He didn't have it last year. And now that it's back, I think uh, the Pirates are in the mind that he's going to be in pretty good form come April 1st. Or, you know, if they need him a little after that, he's, uh, he's also going to be in good form, too. So I think he's in a much better place than he was last summer when he was dealing with some mechanics things. And, you know, he's 22 now and he's just about ready. So I think uh, we'll see him early in the season.
1: All right. So we definitely should not be sleeping on Mackenzie Gore and also wanted to follow up, uh, asking about Lamette. So got, got a two for one with your response there. So much appreciated. And just to wind up here, another prospect, uh, that's been, uh, uh looking good. Uh, Ryan Weathers, uh, I, I know that he's being discussed as a, a bullpen option, but is there any chance that he could start this year too?
2: Yeah. The Padres love him in either role. Um, probably more immediately in a bullpen role if they do need him and they still view him as a long-term starter because he has you know multiple above average pitches uh, but he's also up to 98 this spring he's in a much better shape than he was the year before I know that's a cliche but he really is he's lost a lot of weight uh, throwing harder and they just think a guy like him especially a lefty profiles well in the bullpen if they need him there um, his uh, his playoff experience against the Dodgers when he retired four guys without uh, giving up a run, um, as a twenty uh, year old at the time, that, that was really impressive, and that gave him a lot of confidence. So I think he's, you know, carry that into this spring, and he's looking even better than ever. So I think if if you're looking at possible opening day bullpen options, um, Ryan Weathers is a very strong candidate for that. And if not, they're going to keep stretching him out. And, uh, you know, again, teams are going to need starters. So he's an option for that as well. Although I think the bullpen option is a little more legitimate this year. Well, certainly
1: a lot of players to talk about here. Got to a lot of them in this uh, podcast. Uh We are going to have to wrap up this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a rating and a review we would greatly appreciate it if you did take the time to do that and also if you took the time to fill out our listener survey just click on the link provided in the show notes so dennis thank you so much for dropping in and breaking down the padres with us
2: thanks guys appreciate it
1: all right so for dennis lynn and for michael beller i'm al melker and we'll be right back here on wednesday